Welcome to The Grounded Catholic, the podcast of Catholic Who's at the University of Virginia. On today's episode, we have a unique and really a first-time episode for you all. Corinne and I took the opportunity to record a live podcast uh, with our students. We did a Zoom call, uh, a Zoom Theology on Tap style call, where our topic was uh, tips for healthy dating as Catholics or how to date well uh, as Catholics. So it was a fun time. You hear a little bit of crowd participation with our students on Zoom. Uh, if you hear us referring to things in the chat or to different students on the call, uh, that's what is happening. But it was a lot of fun to kind of record a live podcast with uh, some engagement with our students along the way. So uh, it's a unique style of an episode, but it was a lot of fun. But the content uh, we hope is helpful for to you, for you to kind of think about uh, how to date well, uh, how to be strong in your faith and enter into different relationships, but really just how to date well as, as good Catholics and good human beings. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> so kind of the goal for, for this evening um, obviously this is the first time we've ever done like a live podcast. Um, and we're really excited and we would love to have crowd participation. So if you guys were there from, um, my last theology on tap on commend women, just be friends. Um, I said a few things like if you have any questions that are really pertinent that you want us to address as like father and I are both talking put it in the chat and you can send it privately to us or you can do it publicly either way. Um, but put it in all caps. If it's something that you really want us, like if you're like, actually, I don't know if I really understand what's going on. Um, so, um, do that. And if you have a question that you would like us to address later on, um, you can put it in the chat either now or at the end and just put it not in all caps <laughs> and we'll know to address that by the end. So father and I, um, this is going to be a lot of, of dialogue, but probably a little more content than our normal, um, podcasts have just cause yeah, we have a lot. That it's, we... This is going to be one of those things where like, I think we could do an entire series. It's, it's one oh. of those things like we could legit do a full podcast Yes, on this topic. We're very opinionated about very. these things. <laughs> Which is fun, like that. That adds to the to the joy of it. But I think that's it's also really fun because we see relationships at so many different stages, yes. and we're able to be with friends along those journeys, um, be in those types of relationships ourselves, and see them in different stages. And so, um, yeah, we see what works sometimes and what what doesn't other times. And so. we've also learned a lot from our own personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> you have puts you it. have yep yep that's um, good we both have true stories <laughs> so and we'll probably share a few of those along the way we have some <laughs> some really fun stuff to share right at the end so yeah. we want to talk for about 30 35 minutes Something um, around there. and we'll try and, and keep it to that because we want to do questions um because i'm sure you guys will probably have many of them um so <laughs> we started off this this talk with like, okay, what are five tips that we would give for dating? Right. right. And then it, it just slowly devolved into like, well, everything's connected. But we did start with one particular thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll kind of go through a list, but do you wanna do you wanna kick off the first? Yeah, I think the first tip that we have is to acknowledge the fact that a lot of times in relationships between men and women there's a gray area right okay 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 father that was three we, okays we like talked about this fire it was not about acknowledging the gray area literally everybody knows that gray area exists it was about avoiding the gray but I, area you didn't no, let me continue did you well okay <laughs> see there's a gray area and you want to avoid it done tip one over Okay, but there. What else no. did you want to say about no, that? No, I mean, there's um, there's a lot that happens in those kind of male female relationships that start to have that gray area, and I think there's two ways to go wrong. Either um, 
a lot of times people hold off on like making any kind of move or decision or avoid taking the risk of asking somebody out that they maybe enjoy their company with or are attracted to or something until they are sure that the person's going to accept the date and say yes, right? There's that kind of fear of the risk of, well, I don't want to really ask her out until I know that she's interested. So I'm going to talk to her friends first. I want to keep flirting with her, keep spending a lot of time with her, but I want to start asking other people until I know that when I take that risk, it's going to be a positive result for me. And I think that causes a lot of problems. And um, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, men and women, there's, there's a point where you're like, okay, I'm interested in this person. I'm attracted to them. To, to take that risk and to ask the person out because that's really the surefire way to find out whether or not she's interested or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I've been stuck in, in so many situations where um, like I was in a good like friendship with a guy and like, it seemed like it was going somewhere and you know, like the late night texts and like, Oh, you're just now we're just constantly texting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's like the question, like, is, is anything actually going to happen? Is any, is this going anywhere? Um, and then you're not quite sure how emotionally invested to be, but you're probably overly emotionally invested. Um, and yeah, it gets so messy so fast. And well, it's there. There's this point too where you're trying to spend all this time to get to know the other person before you go out on a date. Mm-hmm. But that's like that's the point of going out on dates, mm-hmm. especially early on, is to get to know the other person. Yes. Right, and that's that's where it struggles because like people spend all this time with like unofficial dates and just hanging out, mm-hmm. trying to get to know the other person so that they can be informed enough to say, well, do I want to take the risk and get to ask this person out? When it's like, actually, that's how you get to know this other person Mm -hmm. is in in a real way. Um, In that gray area, when you just kind of sit and live and spend so much time in that gray area of, I am interested in this person, I am attracted to this person, but I'm not willing to take a risk Mm -hmm. to further that can really lead to an unhealthy like in um i want to say investment but like Mm -hmm. unhealthy attachments where you start to um start to fantasize and build these like hypotheticals in your head and you become more attached to that than the person in front of you well exactly and i i think well that kind of leads into our into our second point a little bit um but i i do want to say like yeah the gray area it, I mean, there's there's a certain extent to which it's healthy to have a friendship yes. before dating. Right. Um, but like for if anybody has heard me give like the talk that I gave before, I come in women just to be friends. Like there are levels of emotional intimacy and physical intimacy and they require um, like JP2 talks so much about this and his feast days on Thursday, um, which is so exciting. Party. So I really wanted to give a series of this talk during like his month um but he he wrote this beautiful book um on actually a lot of people don't really know this so a lot of people are familiar with theology of the body um he wrote a precursor to that called love and responsibility which is essentially like a theological discourse on sexuality Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and love and responsibility like those two ideas that like love or like any sort of like affection movement of the heart towards the other requires some sort of responsibility. Um, Hmm. So you can't like invest your heart and invest your time with no consequences. And I think it's really comfortable to stay in the gray area because you don't have like that added responsibility of like expectations of like, well, this is what a relationship should look like. And now we're like in something like we've labeled it. Now there are like, yeah, requirements, expectations, like I can get hurt, but it's so much easier, like giving of yourself with like having an easier exit. But then that means that you aren't actually giving that other person, like you're not handling the responsibility of their heart. They're not handling the responsibility of your heart and like giving you what you're doing. You're not giving them what they're due. Like if you're going to share deeply and intimately, um, and just like give so much time, invest emotions, like 
there are responsibilities required of that. So, um, yeah, that's, I think it's also like, we talked about what happens when you wait too long in the gray area. Uh-huh. Right. And I don't, I want to kind of also ward off like jumping too early. You know, like, I don't want to, like, encourage people to, like, hey, take a risk and, and ask people out and turn everybody into, like, Potential dating dates. dating cruise missiles. You're like, oh, I had a really good conversation. You want to date? You want to go out? Want to go out? Want to go out? Like, you don't want to, like, do that with every single person that you've ever, like, That's had true. a good conversation with. That is right? very true. So you, you want to avoid both extremes. Like, the last thing I want is to have a bunch of just people, like, walking around grounds on, like, as dating cruise missiles. Right. Like, that's the last that we want to There's encourage. a healthy amount of getting to know the other person. Yes. That, But it should be, like, a natural, a natural progression in a relationship. Right. To move from friendship into dating. And, mm-hmm. like, I think we all kind of know when that should be. Like, when we are treating somebody, like, more than just a friend. Mm-hmm. Like, are you treating all of your... Like, girls, are you treating mm-hmm. all of your guy friends like this? Mm-hmm. Guys, are you treating all of the girls that you know like this that you're friends with? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like there are very easy ways to point that out. But that moves into the next point. Number two. This what? is one of my favorite things to talk about. But I think it is sometimes overly talked about uh-huh. um or mm-hmm. like it's one of those catholic buzzwords mm. emotional chastity um <laughs> um what is it we've heard so many well i don't know at least at this point in my life i've heard it talked about so much sometimes when somebody mentions it i just want to throw up maybe you guys haven't heard that much about it um <laughs> but um it's this idea <laughs> that just like we need to, um, we don't want to like, I think we all kind of like understand a little bit more of like physical chastity. Like you're not going to sleep with somebody after the second date. Like there's kind of an idea of like, there needs to be some mm-hmm. sort of like deeper commitment to the other person before, um, you're going to be physically intimate. And then, in that regard, like, because we are body and soul, like composites, like our body and our soul are, are literally fused together. Um, you can't also share deeply and intimately of your soul without there also being like repercussions. So the whole idea of emotional chastity, and this is, we see a lot of it come into play in the gray area. Mm, um, very much. Where if, so I'm just going to throw this out there because I think this song does such a better Ugh. job of anything that I could say. If you guys are familiar with the artist, I want you guys to take notes and like listen to the song afterwards. Um, Jake Scott. He's amazing. He, One of the best country artists he's out there. He's not a country artist. <laughs> He shows up on a country he's, playlist. He's I don't know what playlist you're listening that's to. A, that's how he's I found him. He's more folk and like pop. But anyways. He's really good. By he the way. he initially started um, as uh, Tossing Copper. It was his initial, uh, initial band name. So sometimes if you look up this song, like if you Google the lyrics, it'll come up under Tossing Copper. But Jake Scott and his song, The Mason. Mm-hmm. So it's all about this guy who is like falls in love with this girl just based off of like what potential that he sees. And he creates this idea of her in his head. Um, And this is essentially what emotional chastity is like trying to avoid. When you like are dating the other person, you want to actually get to know the person, all of our emotions, all of like the feelings that we um, are, are experiencing, they should be grounded in reality and not just what we want to see and not just things that we hope for. So we run into issues, especially like if, if somebody comes and talks to me about like, yeah, we've been dating for, you know, a couple months and it's going super well. And we're starting to talk about like, you know, like, um, getting married and what that would be like. And that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, you probably do not know enough about the other person to make like, to feel those kind of emotions yet. It sounds like probably you are creating scenarios in your head experiencing the emotions related to those and then running with that and our like any emotion that we feel whether that's like love infatuation it should be grounded in the reality of the Mm -hmm. other person of what you actually Mm -hmm. know and oh my gosh that's hard and like I I can tell you like like it's so much easier to say than to live out and like 
even so I've been in a relationship for about a year now and like having those conversations like wait should we be talking about that like have you earned the right to hear that I think um we can also like cross lines with emotional intimacy when we share very vulnerable and personal things and I think sometimes like we kind of pat ourselves on the back like wow it was so great that I was able to like open up with you when it's like, actually, have they earned the right to hear that yet? Like, yeah. love and responsibility. Like, they need to show that they are responsible and trustworthy. And, like, have have they earned holding something that precious to you? I think that's, I mean, drawing back just a little bit to, like, um, Jake Scott's song, The Mason, which is, that, I think, is a 100% the result of too much time spent in the gray area. Because this this guy who has fallen in love or just in your head that's what it's it's all in your head because it's not actually corresponding to reality of the relationship it's not corresponding to the fact that maybe they are starting different aspects of the relationship and they're progressing down the uh, path of that but it's um it's something where they are just um going going through things and kind of have these attractions and attentions um, and um, they have, they're building this idea of the person. And that's kind of what Jake Scott talks about is this idea of this other person is, becomes more real than the woman in front of him. And he's become attached to this fantasy really. Yeah. How often do we do that? Yeah. Because it's like you, you have those, that attraction, there's butterflies in your stomach and you see the text message come across and then boom, here it is. And, um, by the way, just for the record for posterity, Hi, John. a big shout out to John Mullen. Oh my gosh. What is up? John, John Mullen in the house just makes everything better. So, wow. uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll ask for a little, uh, you know, cameo from John Mullen in the Q and a section coming up for sure. Um, but this role of like when we sit too much in that gray area and we run through what might be, what possibly could be, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really correspond to reality. Yeah, uh, We don't have the opportunity to take those possibilities and turn them into reality. Mm-hmm. Then we become attached to that. And thus those fantasies prey upon our emotions and we become attached in very much more intimately involved in an emotional way than anything that reflects reality so Mm -hmm. once then let's just play this out here once she finally does say yes to a date then you're already five months into that relationship yeah when in reality you're 24 hours into it well and i also think about what a disservice it actually does to the person in front of you oh gosh so much and i don't think i really realized this till i was on the receiving end of it and mm. i and i was like wait a second i i do that like i do that but when it was happening to me i was like wait a second you don't actually know me you don't know me like you, you don't know my life <laughs> yeah i was just <laughs> Um, i've been watching a lot of the office lately so i'm not going to drop that quote but um oh my gosh hilarious but i mean (laughs) i i really felt like i was being used like i i didn't feel like um the person actually knew me or was trying to get to know me um calm down i'm so funny though i'm so funny um no i'm funny you're laughing at me i don't know about that um so that do you think we've covered enough of- well it it rolls into our third point yeah so easily so yes. let's just go to that so point one was gray area point two was emotional chastity and point three is where we talk about kind of we're talking about emotional chastity and the role of our emotions our attractions our um attachments um but what what place do those feelings have in a relationship? Like, I think we can admit it. If it's good to get the butterflies yes. when she walks into the room, okay, like, that's that's nice. Like, can who doesn't I, love that? Can I call out some oh, really you're toxic going to. things that are going on in Why our society? Why did you ask permission right when I know you're going to just go for it? Yep, just straight now, up do it. Shush. Pull the trigger. <laughs> I'm gonna regret doing this with you. Um, 
Okay, so our culture really is like, first of all, it's hypersexualized. We can all admit that. And I think it's really hyper emotionalized as well. Mm-hmm. So the role of our emotions we're taught our primary. If you don't initially feel attraction, if you don't get butterflies, if you aren't like, oh my gosh, this person is incredible. Like, I just want to be around them. From the beginning, you shouldn't, like if you don't feel those things then you probably shouldn't take any steps forward. Like mm-hmm. all of like the movies, media, our songs are telling us that like the emotions are what point you to like love and like how often do we like I mean I think of like the Hallmark movies and like the the couple like know each other for sometimes like 24 hours and then they end up being like I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you like what like you don't know that person at all you are merely writing on the emotions of the moment and we're like taught I, that that's like the great, like a great love story. Like the, su- like the shorter period of time and like the more intense emotions, like the greater a love it is. And that is so toxic and that's so messed up. And I like, I, I do love Hallmark. Like those are fun. They do like, they, they really like, but they have the corniest names too. Like a oh Christmas night, but it's spelled K N I G H T. Hey, I, that was a good one. Never I saw enjoyed it. it. Never saw it for the record. Never saw it. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> love a good rom-com. Not that one though. I think like I, so I'm just going to like give a little personal yeah. anecdote. Go for it. Um, here. So I think I, totally bought into that idea that like attraction and that initial spark and like feelings should come just by being in the presence of the other person Mm -hmm. like from the beginning um and the guy that i've been dating who you guys will all get to meet in the next tot um he's graciously agreed to to share his side of the story um why are you blushing i'm not I can feel when I am and I'm not. You're trying mm. to make me. I know what you're doing, Father. Um, so, <laughs> so like, I remember, um, like, my first, like, two or three dates with him. And I was like, I don't, I'm not, I don't have the butterflies. Like, I'm not, maybe I should end it. And I was, like, I was so torn because I was like, I should feel more things Um, and I did like, I mean, we got on three dates and I like, obviously maybe the most amount of time in those three dates was maybe like six or seven hours. Like, so, I mean, what, how much could I know about a person in that amount of time? And I remember it was, it was Christmas day and like, we were kind of like hung over from the massive amount of foods that we had just consumed. Um, and all like my whole family's napping and I'm like, I, I don't want to sleep right now. It's Christmas. So I decided to raid my family's like bookshelf. Um, and I wanted to find something quick, easy. And I ended up finding JP 2s the jeweler shop. Um, I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's very short. JP two is an artist. He is a, um, he's an actor, um, a poet and a playwright, um, on top of being a theologian philosopher, the freaking Pope and a saint. I love him. But this, (laughs) this particular, this, so this is a play that he wrote and it's all about like, it's, it's really philosophical. It's like, you're kind you kind of expect like a story to be told. I, I would love to read it. Maybe. Um, out loud on this but I think you're just telling everybody to read it yes um, everybody should read it I read it in like an hour and a half and um, obviously it's it's a play it's meant to be like performed in an hour and a half Um, and as I was reading it I felt like I was watching the Lord pick up all of these ideals that I had um, and I I'm a big idealist so I labeled them as ideals like the ideal that I should be emotionally moved by like the person that I'm in a relationship with. And, um, like that, that, that was like one of the greatest goods in it, you know, like the feelings, um, 
And obviously love is like to will the good of the other. And I knew that that would come. Like when the feelings then leave, then you really like step into it. But the feelings should be there from the beginning. And um, these couples that that JP2 was writing about in this story um, were so real and so human. And I knew that JP2 was trying to communicate something beautiful through their stories. And one of the lines in like the first act was um, – one of the couples they're talking about each other and one of them says like I saw such goodness in you I realized I ought to love you and they said like I I believed in the primacy of emotions but I wasn't experiencing that with you and I thought like I thought that like it wasn't good but I saw such goodness there still even though I wasn't feeling all the things like I never fell in love there was no love at first sight and as I was reading that, I was, I was like watching like JP2 and God, like pick up these idols that I thought were just ideals and like smash them in front of me. And I realized like this person that I'd been on these dates was like, he was such a good person. Yeah. Like, and, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy spending time with him, but I didn't have all the emotions. And as we continued dating, it was the realization that like, wait a second, I think the emotions are meant to come from actual knowledge of that person, Boom. like from there the time spent with mm-hmm. them, like from the experience of like doing all of these activities together and hearing their thoughts. And like, I could fall in love with like the person that I knew and not just an ideal in my head. Um, so. But that's, that's such a, like a key paradigm shift for how we enter into relationships right like that the knowledge then precedes love and we have to appropriately spend time getting to know the other person yes and say like yeah you know what i ought to love you i ought to then uh give myself over to you after appropriate period of time and getting to know you instead of waiting for the emotions to be that kind of like propeller yeah. to like just push us into whatever direction yeah. that uh, it, the feelings push us, right? Well, and this is something that you said when we were talking about this. Like you were like, okay, because we were we wanted to like throw out like, okay, what does it mean to date well? Like yeah. what are some great date ideas? Right. And like beginning dates should not be super romantic. Yeah. Never like, do that, ever. Romance should be born out of time spent with the other person. Exactly. And like the emotions that then come from that, like – super romantic dates like early on actually like the worst thing it's you probably going to be a little more awkward or if both people are feeling all the things it's not going to be rooted in like actual knowledge and like friendship and like no. knowing that person it, it's yeah super romantic uh first dates are the worst thing that you can do because you're you know putting the cart before the horse in in a real sense or you're pushing boundaries that should not be pushed because you're presupposing that there is legitimate knowledge there of this other person when really you're probably just knowing this fantasy that you have in the head because you're relying upon your emotions. Right. And so um, the best first dates, and, and I, you know, I think everybody who's been on a really good first date, if you talk to them, they're like, What's, what is your favorite and best first date? It's never anything romantic. It's always something fun. Right. It's something where it's like, oh, my gosh, we had this great opportunity. We just did all these different things or we had this one really great uh, event that we both shared in or something like that. We took the time to get to know each other. Those are the best first dates. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's after getting, you know, that's what a date is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a quote unquote like an event or a venue through which you get to know the other person. Not a venue to just incite emotion. Boom. That should be the title of the podcast. But um, no, that's exactly it. It's not a venue to just simply incite emotions and feelings. Right. It's a place to get to know the other person. Yeah. And, and I think from there comes this um, this beautiful total gift of self that John Paul II always talks about because that's what true love is. You well, know, and it's knowledge precedes love. That was our, our first, fourth point. So... Um, like what is like, what is the role of love then in the relationship? Like what is, what is actual romantic love? Yeah. Um, and I think there's so many ways that we could speak about it, but I want to kind of shed some light on the things that are 
most easily distorted, which is like true love, true love, like the love which JP2 talks about and love and responsibility and theology of the body, like in all of his, his beautiful works, um, is love is based off of self-gift. So it's, it's not in taking anything from the other person, but it's more in giving yourself to the other person and then receiving them in return. And when we think about um, how best to give of ourselves, you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. don't first possess yourself and you aren't, and that doesn't mean that you have to be like the perfect person, but the one thing that I will say, because I, I get a lot of questions from, from people about like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to date. Like, how do I know if I'm ready to like, you know, start dating this other person? Because, you know, we've all heard that excuse of like, I, oh, you're like really great, but I just don't think I'm ready for a relationship. I think the one time that somebody can actually say I'm not ready for a relationship is like, first of all, if there's like been any like really big life changes or tragedies, that's perfectly valid. And then the second thing that I would say is addiction. Um, If there's an addiction in place, like you can't overcome that by being in a relationship with somebody or you shouldn't like rely on them or think that you can give fully of yourself if you don't fully possess yourself and what is an, what does an addiction do? It inhibits our will, which is one of like the primary powers of our soul that separates us from animals. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us distinctly human, our reason and our will. Um, and so if we, if like our will is being inhibited, if we are any less human, if we possess ourselves any less, then we're not going to be able to fully give of ourselves. Um, and I, <clears throat> I say it like, obviously there are people who are in relationships who like will develop addictions and things like that. That's, I'm not, I'm not speaking to that. I'm saying more like if, if entering you or one. the other person yeah. is struggling with an addiction prior to entering into a relationship, it is probably not a good idea to then begin one. Yeah. Um, if you're still like working through that or in those initial stages of healing. Um, right. but, but the, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean that. Once again, we're talking about paradigm shifts to what we're typically surrounded by what the rest of society is telling us is that, you know, love is based upon the warm fuzzies, the butterflies, that's, those are your signposts of love. Like, this is what it really means. Mm -hmm. And what JP2 talks about in uh, the theology of the body and um, all of his other writings, but it's this great tradition within the Catholic Church is love is actually in the will. Yeah, it's an and act of the it's, will. It's an act of the will to will the good of the other as the other. And when you start to look at it, it's like, actually, I'm in this relationship because I can totally give myself to this other person and sacrifice to attain their greatest good. Like, right. you know, I'm drawn into that mystery of the person in front of me. Right. And that's the thing. Like, like feelings are important. Yeah. Like you should, you should feel the things. You, it's, it's good to be attracted. Like, we're not saying that you should never be yeah. attracted to people. Like Attraction should, good. should be there. Like it, but it's okay it's if it the... grows and it develops and feelings grow and develop out of something very, very small and just more of like a, could this be something? Mm-hmm. Like, is there something here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay cool um the last thing well we kind of have two last things well the last the very very last thing is we're gonna we're gonna save that last last thing okay but practical tips yeah so we want to talk about practical tips on dating um i think i am uniquely positioned to offer practical (laughs) tips what does that mean (laughs) well who doesn't want to hear practical tips on dating from a celibate priest in vows of poverty chastity and obedience like why not right sure no well the the one major practical tip i had you stole from me i'm sorry yeah 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 stole it from me you stole my thunder but my practical tip is Early dates in a relationship, specifically first dates, should not be romantic dates. No candlelight, no dinners, nothing. Uh, no dinners? Lines. Well, no, not no dinners, but like no candlelit dinners, like no like super okay. fancy romantic thing. Like, yeah, you can go to dinner. I want you to eat and have nutrition. Like, that's a good thing. Sharing in life, getting to know somebody over a meal is a good thing. Okay. So uh, I don't want my words to be used against me here. Mm-hmm. but like no super romantic things um pick things where you can share an experience together 
have opportunities to talk and chat and get to know each other uh, in a variety of ways. But the romantic dates should come later on into that relationship um, after you've gotten to know this person and really know how to kind of sacrifice and, and show a love and affection for them in ways that they receive best. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's my number one tip is do not do romantic dates early on in a relationship. Save that stuff later down the road. Hmm. I think that's a great one. Yeah, I'm kind of, I've, I mean, I have so many things that I want to say and I don't know what to say. Oh, um, yeah, we could just do a whole podcast on practical tips. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that was a really great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have great ideas. You do. All the best ideas. You do. I kind of want to hear what other people like mm-hmm. are. All right, we'll move into. Uh... All right, so that is pretty much where our talk ended for the evening. But we did uh, field some questions from our students. So we had a little bit of a Q&A session. And Craig and I wanted to include uh, that discussion into this podcast episode as well. We kind of talked about, do we want to do a bonus episode with that or not? But I think it, it it's important to keep all of that together in, in this episode. So what we're going to do now is we're going to jump directly to that Q&A session. And you'll hear uh, Karen and I kind of respond to some of the qu- questions that our students had submitted through the chat function on our Zoom call that evening. All right, so we're going to, I think that's that's all we have to talk about. I mean, there's so, there's well, so much more, but like that's what we wanted to cover today. And yeah. we're actually coming towards the end of our uh, self-imposed time limits. Um, but let's open this up for questions. So we do want to open it up for questions. So Yeah, um, use the chat feature. They can be private. They can be public. Um, yeah, if anybody has any questions about mm-hmm. dating. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky thing. It is. It's a good thing though. Like it's, I think that was one of the things we had up on our board that we didn't really talk about. It's messy, but oh like, yeah, there's no timeline on there's it. There's no timeline. There's no idea. It's ideal. always messy. Always messy. But um, yeah, I think it's it's okay for the mess. Don't be surprised at that. But don't think it's there's no cookie cutter answer to that. All yeah. right. Um, what would a first or a good first date look like? Not a first good date. Uh, a good first date. Um, Do you want to take that one? Or? Yeah. I mean, I... Gosh, I don't know what's up with my thread on that one. No, I think good first dates are um, important that you... Like I, I mentioned, kind of like shared experiences, but you don't want to become passive. So don't do things where you don't have an opportunity to get to know the other person, right? Do things where you can actually talk have a conversation, spend some time getting to know each other, um, talk about, and I think this is important early on in the relationships, like once again, before we get to romantic stage, Mm -hmm. there's a a stage where it's like getting to know the person. So talk about your passions. Ask a person like, what are you really passionate about? Like, what do you love to do? Like who's, you know, what are hobbies of yours? What are things that you like? What are things you enjoy? Just tell me who you are. And then naturally that stuff helps you to understand who the person is, where they're coming from, um, different aspects of their, you know, family of origin or friends that they have. And also don't be afraid um, to spend that time getting to know the other person. So have a part of the date that is open and available to having those types of conversations where you can like see like, wow, that's something that I have no idea about. That's a passion I don't know anything about. Tell me more about that. I'm interested because you're interested in that. Those types of things are good. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, don't be afraid to do something that also has a shared experience to it. You know, sometimes it's easier to have that level of conversation while you're doing another activity, right? So like go apple picking, you know, you can talk, you can, uh, you know, talk about things as you're doing another activity. But if you're going to say, like, we're going to have coffee and just stare at each other and ask all these big questions, sometimes that's intimidating. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> right? And it's not a natural, it's a very artificial conversation because you're like, oh, okay, well, that, that topic's closed. I should ask a question, you know, what's your favorite color? And then like that leads nowhere. So like, yeah. don't be afraid to have like, like I said, have a meal. It's okay to have meals at the beginning, just not super romantic ones, but have a meal where you can talk through these things, but then also have some kind of activity, shared experience where you can continue the discussion while doing something else that can make a conversation a little natural. I think, um, yeah, you guys are throwing out some really great ideas in the chat. Mm -hmm. um, I think art galleries are a great way. Yeah, um, I that's a think, great question. Like, Granted, I was also taken on a not so great first date to like some modern art gallery where I just made up crap. And that was actually a little fun. There was not a second date. Um, but I think like, you know, something that you guys are both experiencing that allows for a dialogue. Like, I don't understand the whole idea of going to a movies for a first date. Like you're literally just sitting next to the Please other don't person. do that. Please um, do not do it. That's, that, that's an example of something where you become passive. Yeah. 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 Like as much as I love music and concerts and stuff, like that's a really hard venue to have a conversation. Yeah. So that's probably not a good first date conversation. Right. Or, uh, activity. Yeah. Um, now somebody inquired about um, second dates. Like when you say yes to a second date, especially like if there isn't that initial attraction or like, yeah, father said that he knew after just one date, like this is not going to go anywhere. Um, and after my like first couple of dates, I was like, I don't really know. Granted, I, I was saying um, I was doubting that because I didn't have the intense emotions. Like I think if you see something good in the other person, like something that you see worth pursuing, um, like it's easy to talk to this person. Um, I say continue. Also, we're just going to acknowledge that first dates can be really awkward. Mm -hmm. um, and so usually, unless there are like some big red flags of like the person only talks about themselves yeah. or like never asks any questions mm -hmm. or like there are just some like really big personality differences. Um, if, if, if it's just like a little awkward, um, I would probably say yes to a second date. Um but like, unless there are like some really big red flags, like again, nobody is obligated to say yes to second dates, but, um, it is kind of interesting. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I had said no after those first couple, then I would have missed out on something really great. Um, <clears throat> father, where are you? Oh, sorry. I moved the chat off to the side. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, <clears throat> So yeah, that's what I would say with second dates. Also, somebody asked a question about dating apps. Um, I think, especially now, dating apps are perfectly, like, I, I know so many people who have met, like, either, like, fiancés, spouses, like, some of they ended up being in a really great long-term relationship with on a dating app. Um, I say it can be a lot more difficult to meet somebody who's interested in, like, what yeah keep talking okay it, it can be a lot more challenging um and i don't really like what dating apps does to your like ideals for a relationship um sorry i accidentally hit music keep talking i don't know why it's <laughs> yeah i'm trying Sorry about that. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. um, <laughs> father needs to stop playing with his toys. Um, so I, I think like an unfortunate mindset that dating apps put you in is like your profile essentially becomes advertising for yourself and you make very quick reactions to other people based off of not a lot of information. Um, and a lot of it's based off of appearances or how well, like they can portray themselves very quickly. And I think you just like lose a lot. Um, it's essentially like, I like thinking of it, like some people just aren't great test takers. That doesn't mean that they're not smart. And I think some people might not have like the best profile. That doesn't mean that like you wouldn't connect with them. So it's difficult. It's a lot less natural. But I think that it is something like it is a tool that can be used well. Yeah. I think I have a little bit of a different take on this. This is where the two of us kind of differ slightly. Um, I've, I've had really good friends out there that are extremely 
anti-dating apps or online dating and things like that. I'm not as um, strong on that. And they say similar things where it's like it's a really there's so much effort in the profile to quote unquote present oneself well and it's there's so image. much it's uh, yeah it's it's really image based and i think it takes that and pushes it or it can it can take that and push it to an unnatural extreme which is not healthy and then everything starts there but i do think that there is a reality in any kind of um th- there's there's a reality that you're always looking at somebody's um, you know, you're attracted to them in, in some capacity. So, like, I have a friend who's always like, you know, I'd rather just meet somebody at a friend's house or meet a friend of a friend in that way. And I'm like, well, if you see somebody at a party or at a, you know, something like that, you're going to be attra- see their outward appearance, how they dress, and things like that. Um, I th- I just think that those venues are a little more natural to encounter somebody and to. Uh, have that impression made there's so much time and effort to building one's profile making sure the right pictures are selected that everything's worded appropriately that it does prey upon vanity in a sense Mm -hmm. within the dating app so to say that like one's outward appearance isn't a part of that initial encounter so like if dating apps are to facilitate an initial encounter um through which then you can get to know the other person. There's really nothing different from a dating app to meeting somebody at a friend's party or something like that. But I do agree that I think it preys upon a lot of vices that are present within our society, particularly vanity, vainglory, of so much intentionality has gone into building the perfect profile through which you can kind of like hoodwink people into a relationship. And if that's how you're approaching a dating app and that's the type of effort you put into it, then stay away. Sure. Right. But if you, like you said, it's a tool, it's a place of an uh, initial mm-hmm. encounter, then okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid of that. But it, there, yeah. there's, there's some very, um, there, there are pitfalls there that you don't, you want to uh, avoid. There's a lot of nuance in our answers. Yep. So, yep, yep, yep. Um, but I want to get to um, a last couple of questions, but. Um, somebody else inquired as to when is the right time to start incorporating like physical intimacy into a relationship. And my, my thoughts on this, I have very strong thoughts on this. I would love to be able to give another either podcast or a TOT talk on, on chastity and on like, you know, physical and emotional intimacy. Um, but physical intimacy should always flow from emotional intimacy so emotional intimacy comes first um and when we like think about where i started with the talk with like emotional chastity and emotional intimacy um there are there are times for it um and it needs to like it needs to be built like think of it like you're you're like you need to lay a strong foundation um you need to get through you know like a lot of the basics of the other person like you know what what do they like what you know like it's the basic get to know it doesn't need to be romantic right out of the gate and it's like there's different time frames for everybody um some people prefer just moving a lot slower or a lot harder to get to know harder to open up um yeah we already did that yeah um and uh yeah anyways i think that again it's different for everybody but um when we feel like the emotional intimacy levels like are are um you know, like going deeper, then it's okay to start incorporating like physical intimacy. Um, and yeah, again, it's different for, for everyone, but okay. We have a couple other questions. Um, yeah. So, um, so there are also like, there are a lot of other questions about like, I don't know, like specifics of different relationships. So like whether there is, um, yeah, we're getting a few of those. Yeah. 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 Whether there's like an age gap, um, or, um, I'm thinking like other different, like, um, long distance, those kinds of things. Um, I think, um, communication in a relationship is key. Um, and so like if it's coming to an age, if like it's an age gap, if you, if you feel like you're both on, um, the same page, like I, I don't think, um, it is 
good for people who are in very different stages of life to pursue a relationship because there's going to be a discrepancy there. You want to create shared experiences and have like a shared understanding of the world. Um, Because if in this relationship, if you're discerning um, building a life together, you want to be able to lay that foundation and it to be a common foundation. Um, And I would say kind of a a similar thing with like long distance dating. Um, I think long distance dating can definitely work. I have rarely seen it succeed when a relationship begins long distance or goes long distance after a very short period of time of being in person. I think that you need that very solid foundation um, and, or are just like super, super mature and really great at communicating. Um, (laughs) and yeah, so, um, that like, those are, those are very real challenges, but it can be, and actually I think, I think, um, long distance can actually be super healthy for a relationship. It's usually like a make or break point. Like either you learn that you are great at communicating and like you have similar values and you're ready to like tackle this issue together. And it's not, I think when a relationship becomes, um, instead of both people against an obstacle, they see themselves as the obstacle so with long distance, it should be, okay, both of us are shoulder to shoulder and we're looking at this issue of being long distance and being like, how mm-hmm. are we going to tackle this? But if you start seeing the other person as like, they're the obstacle, like they're not near me, um, that's where you start to see a breakdown. Um, yeah. Okay. This, um, another, another one, which I want to, I want to address this because this is something I'm super passionate right. about. Right. But I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. Let this be our last question because we're close to our hour mark. Which one? This one right here that I have highlighted. Oh, but I really want to do the one before it. Okay. Can we? You want to do both? Yeah. I All can right. do it real quick. All right. We can do it real Hit quick. Hit them both. Hit them both. Okay. So questions about dating non-Catholics. Um, or so I would say non-Christians, that's going to be a hurdle that is going to be really difficult. If you think about the things that are the most like dear to your heart. Um, if you cannot share in those things with the other person, like how well are you going to feel known and how are you going to be able to enter into that? Um, like how could you build a life or how is that going to be? And I'm not saying like you can't do it, but I didn't want you to think like, do you see it being possible building a life with somebody who cannot share even in like the basic tenets of, of your faith? Um, cause you want somebody, it's not that you just don't want somebody who to be an obstacle in your faith. You actually want to build a partnership with somebody who can encourage you and help you grow in your faith. Um, so I would say that about dating non-Christians, but dating non-Catholics, that is something that can get a little tricky. Um, Mm -hmm. and this is one of those answers that is really difficult and doesn't have an easy answer because everybody is different. Um, I will say, I think one of the biggest obstacles to dating a non-Christian has to do in the realm of chastity. So our Catholic faith informs our view of chastity in very unique ways. Um, so like just the fact, like not even just no sex before marriage, but like our Catholic faith um, in informs us that there are like very specific ways to live out chastity well. Um, and so that means like no contraception, yep. Um, yep. no birth control, mm-hmm. um, there are like that it's not even just about what you can't do, but it's about saying yes to the dignity of the other person. Um, and I like, I cannot imagine dating somebody who was not on the same page with me with chastity. Like if you are fighting that battle by yourself, you're going to lose it, mm-hmm. um, every time. Yep, yep, and yep. that is not something that I would want for anybody. And so, um, like, obviously if you can support one another in faith and in prayer, obviously Jesus is the most important thing. And so if you're both running after Jesus, that is so beautiful and that is so good. Um, But when it comes down to some of the practicals of how you live out your faith, how to practice, like going to church, do you feel like they are, um, like, I think often people can evangelate. Um, So like both people kind of have the idea of like, I like, it's my initial goal to have that person convert to my yeah faith. And yeah. I remember thinking, cause I've, I've definitely dated non Catholics. And when I thought about the kind of spouse that I wanted, and this is, this is a personal anecdote, but I thought about the spouse I wanted. I wanted somebody 
who would go to mass with me, who would go to adoration with me, who understood like my desires to grow in holiness, like who could be close to the saints, who um, would encourage me to pursue Jesus in the Eucharist. And I couldn't, I, I could not, I got to a point in this one relationship, particularly where I recognized that I was continuing this relationship with the end goal, like being that if this were to go anywhere that they would need to change. And that's not fair to anybody. And that's not saying that like they weren't a great person. Um, but I wouldn't want them to date me thinking that, well, if this is going to be a long-term relationship, they would have to convert to my faith. And so I think like there just needs to be a lot of like discernment of what are my desires? Like, what do I want out of a marriage um, or out of like a long-term relationship? And if you think that that other person needs to change in order to attain that, then that's not fair. And I will Um, say from, from my perspective, I've done a lot of marriage prep of couples who one party was Catholic and the other was Protestant or the other um, was, was not Catholic. Um, I've done a fair number of marriage preps for them. And one thing I will always encourage them is there are going to be differences um, in how they approach life and how they approach God and, and those types of things. Um, but one thing I do encourage them is before they ever start talking about those differences, they have to figure out the commonalities. What do they share in common? And so they, I encourage them to spend a lot of time to say like, okay, you know, uh, we do have a, a strong foundation that, you know, we, we both believe Jesus is, is God and, and the importance of scripture and, and how we pray. And so that from that kind of commonality and from the unity, then they can start to approach the differences. Because if you're always just beginning at the divisions, then that that's never going to work. Right. Um, if you can see like, hey, okay, we have a lot in common here and then only a few things that we differ on. And maybe those are substantial, not, you know, fairly substantial things, understanding of sexuality and um, aspects like that. But that gives you a different foundation through which you can ad- address the differences in the divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're always coming at it as let's talk about what our differences are then you become very combative and you become very divisive in that relationship and no relationship should ever be that way whether you're talking about aspects of the faith in the relationship or other things in the relationship you should always be coming at it from a um, foundation of what do we share in common yeah yeah absolutely um so the last thing we're going to touch on very briefly is how what are some concrete ways to build emotional chastity while single this is something that's very near and dear to my heart um, because there was about eight years of like being single yep. and being like, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, and recognizing that, um, like that time was a preparation. Um, and one of the best quotes I've ever heard from one of my favorite priests is God prepares you for the future by your faithfulness to the present. So if you are being faithful to the present moment, then God is preparing you for your future. It's not about anticipating. Um, So this doesn't need to be about like, okay, well, let me get like all of these things straight of like, I need to know exactly what I want. Let me make a list. Like um, it, it really, like, I think self-knowledge is the best thing that you could do. Like be the person that you want running next to you. Um, It's one of the best ways to prepare. But in terms of emotional chastity, um, I think like, there's so many ways that we let our emotions run wild um, and we do not subject them to our intellect. And our intellect is up here and our emotions are down here. They're down there. <laughs> well, yes. The wills in between. I know, I know. Yes. Emotions, yeah. Okay. Intellect, intellect will, will, emotions. There Mary's we go. done a great job of, of teaching us all about that in the past. Um, But when it comes to emotional chastity, it comes to like essentially just understanding the role of our emotions and not letting them run away in any kind of relationship, Mm -hmm. Um, recognizing that they are great indicators. um, And they like Mary used this phrase like they, they can be our cheerleaders, like they can point us to like the really awesome things that are going on and they can cheer us along. But they also are not always integrated with reality and that's where our intellect always has to come in and it's not that we need to just always intellectualize our emotions i think 
we can intellectualize and justify just about anything. Yeah. Um, and I've seen, I've seen that happen. I've had that happen. I mean, our, the human spirit is phenomenal at doing those kind of intellectual, intellectual gymnastics yes. to like rationalize yes. why we have, we are where we are or yes. why we believe what we believe. So like, yeah. that's a really good thing is like, there's a difference between letting our intellect take the lead uh-huh. compared to intellectualize or rationalizing our emotions our emotions those yes. are two separate option operations right and that's where i think it do the it's former not the latter really really good to have people surrounding us who know us well um that we can like so i i think mary was probably one of the most emotionally chaste persons ever well because she was created without sin um i'm not talking about mary schneider i'm talking about the blessed mother um mary you're also great at that um but i i do think like i have i spent a lot of time in my single years reflecting on her it's so cute mary and Boleyn. you're like looking at each other but on our screen it literally looks like you're looking at, at each, each other. other like you're right next that's to incredible it's so, it's so amazing oh my gosh okay so but when mary took these things and she pondered them in her heart and i think about how many times i when i was feeling something i wanted to vent and i i sought friends who like validated my emotions and like I, I fed off of them. Um, and I like, I fed off of my emotions. I fed off of all of those feelings and I like cultivated them and grew them until like they, they were their own like little beast in themselves. Like it wasn't like they were pointing me. They were the little cheerleaders that were pointing to reality. They became my reality. And that's actually something that JP2 writes about. Like one of his characters said, I believed in the primacy of emotions and that's like I think of all the times that I have put my emotions in the forefront and I've let them champion my way forward instead of um, bringing something to God and sitting. So so a, my spiritual director gave me this advice. Oh, my gosh, this is so great. This really helped cultivate emotional chastity. But he said, um, and I, I think about this not just in a relationship, but like in friendships and like things that like where my emotions are really um, kind of running wild and wanting to like, perhaps like be fed and become their own thing. Um, my, my spiritual director said, when you're feeling those things and it, you want to act on it, whether you want to like call a friend and talk for like three hours or you want to like, you know, send another text or, you know, just in these friendships that you can become very emotionally unchaste, like friendships with members of the opposite sex. Um, when you want to like take that next step forward or like when the emotions are like really just being like, do the thing, send that text, call that friend, do whatever. He's like, I want you to sleep on it. Give it 24 hours. Um, and not to say like cut off communication, but don't take that step forward. Don't act on the emotions until you've sat with it. And then it's crazy. Like Jake Scott also has another incredible song. I actually forget what it's called. Oh, that helps. It's on it's on that original thing. But he pretty much says, like, if I were to follow all. my emotions, they would change every day. Like, should my emotions govern truth or should I let like my intellect govern truth? Yeah. Um the, I have I have one suggestion in that realm as well. Um, what do you do if you're single to help emotional chastity? I would also encourage you to invest in your friendships. Like, so if you're a guy become a good friend with other guys like quit worrying about all the lady folk out there like you you won't really know how to enter into a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex unless you actually know how to enter enter into relationships um you know as as a man and good masculine friendships in the same way with the ladies you know good female friendships help us to know who we are and thus we can then give prepare to give ourselves to another so yeah if you want to work on emotional chastity um become a good guy friend become a girl a good just friend of 
you know, girlfriend, I guess I should say. I don't know. Lady, lady friend. Um, That's even worse. I, I, I know. I should stop talking. Weird. But uh, <laughs> no, but like it's really, really important. And this is something that I always, you know, once again, I'm coming back to marriage prep, but I talk with couples that I marry. One of the things I always ask them and I ask the opposite spouse. So like I ask the bride to be, I'm like, who are his best guy friends? And don't give me who's in his wedding party. I want to know who his day-to-day best guy friends are. And there there are times where the spouse cannot name their friends because they don't have a friend. And they, they've put themselves entirely into this single exclusive relationship. And that's the only person they interact with. And that's problematic. So if you want to talk about emotional chastity is knowing how to be in a relationship with a woman while still having other relationships. There are levels to intimacy, mm-hmm. right? And we have different levels of friendship. And so if you're struggling and saying like, I don't know, well then invest in other, you know, invest in your own friends because mm-hmm. then they can be just exactly what you were saying is that kind of voice of reason. Like, hey, you know, she sent me this text or we had this conversation and my, you know, am I getting attached too quickly? So now you have a level of intimacy with a group of friends that you right. can actually that can help guide you so that you're not into the depths of the oceans of emotions by yourself thank you that did rhyme mm-hmm. but um that you're not there like by yourself totally untethered so if you want to yeah. build up uh if you're single and want to build up emotional chastity have good friends have good friends yeah and, you're gonna and be need a, a good life. friend <laughs> be a good friend yeah that's the thing. Like when you get into a relationship, you're going to need a life outside of it too. Yes, you will. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to help you be able to cultivate is if you have that solid foundation. Like I remember and Dominic was like, I'm so glad you have friends. Like yeah. it was such a, it was so like such a relief to see that you had like a very active and full life. Like you knew who you were and you like, you did stuff like you did things with your friends you went on trips like you you just had a lot of interest like cultivate your interests cultivate those things um that give you life aside from emotional validation and i i found the song so first of all what's the song you title? guys should just look up his ep because it has the mason on it too oh what's um, it's name? of life and love and longing Boom. by jake scott it's so appropriate um and the the song that i was talking about where he speaks about like truth and and our emotions is called the disconnect um so that's the second song on there yeah y'all it's amazing thank you for for being with us tonight um very patient very patient yeah i mean this is probably one of the longest episodes we've done Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Grounded Catholic. We had an absolute blast uh, doing this live recording with our students. So let us know if you like this style. We hope to kind of do a few more of these as the semester goes on and um, as we continue on uh, doing different recordings and topics. So let us know if you enjoy it, and we'll try to do our best to answer other questions or do more of this uh, episodes this style. But uh, some big news that I want to share with everybody is a major thank you to all of you who have been listening, who have been sharing our episodes because we crossed over a thousand listens um, since our last episode. So please continue to like and subscribe and share these episodes with uh, other students or those that you think would appreciate the content that we are uh, producing here. As always, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcast, on Spotify. We are now on Amazon Podcast as well. And if you want a backlog of all of our episodes, you can find us on our website, and that is catholicwhos.org slash podcast. Once again, that's catholicwhos, H-O-O-S dot org slash, slash podcast. God bless.